In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum. This is The Conviction Project, a podcast where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. My name is Maraj Rana. And I am Farhan Iqbal. Muhammadur Rasulullah, 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah. Ya Rabbi salli ala nabiyyika daiman Lihaadhi dunya wa basin saani You know, these days I'm reading this book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Uh, this book is about trauma and, you know, trauma that individuals face, whether it's large trauma that comes from uh, being in a war or going through some very difficult situation, or even small trauma. Uh, and, I, and I say small as a relative term, not small as the impact that it has on another person, but smaller trauma such as um, bullying or cyberbullying is another one that comes up. So all these aspects of trauma or abuse that happen to an individual's life makes them start to think, you know, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this to happen to me? And who can I reach out for help? So, you know, Farhana, this is what I wanted to talk about because I think when an individual is suffering and they're going through some sort of misery, and they can't find any sort of light, then they start complaining towards an almighty God, an all-powerful God, that why aren't you taking me out of this? Why am I put into this trial? And why am I put into this trial over and over again? So what? where do we begin with something as complex as that? You know, when uh, you were asking this question, uh thinking about it and and even before we started this episode just now we were talking about this i'm thinking that it has much to do with our thinking process it has much to do with uh, with uh, the way we the, the kind of attitude that we have towards uh, such things so the quran has guidance actually in in this regard the quran tells us the kind of attitude a Muslim, a believer, should have when it comes to these situations, which can be purely miserable, right? Uh, the Quran says, for instance, in chapter 2, verse 146, It says, Allah will surely try you we will surely try you with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and lives and fruits, but give glad tidings to the patient. Right? Those who, when a misfortune overtakes them, say, surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. 
So it, it, it's, it's a very clear statement about miserable situations, which happen to all of us. They, this is just part of life, that uh, there are times when uh, there is some people who are, who are in a fearful state, some people who are in a state of hunger or, or whatnot, right? So a number of things that people suffer from. And the Quran says that many a times, those situations are like trials because this world is a place of trial. And whoever passes through that test is, is rewarded by God Almighty. So, you know, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this because how do we tell someone who is going through so much suffering, you know, there there's death that comes up. You know, I, I'm reminded of, you know, say a, a refugee family is escaping war from a war-torn country. They come to Canada and a week later their son gets shot. It's very hard for me to go to them and say, this is just a trial. This is just, you know, this is this is God just testing you out. I, I can imagine that if I say something like that to them, they will get really angry in response to that. That what are you talking about trial? What are you talking about? This is just a test. So what do we say in those situations? Or is this... Um, is there more light that we can put on this? I've seen such people. I've, I have, uh, as an imam, I come across people who have a number of challenges they are facing almost on a daily basis. Just yesterday, I met one person uh, in the evening, and then a couple of days ago, I met another person, both of whom have gone through difficult situations. One of them is an immigrant who uh, has uh, who's facing a lot of challenges, and uh, he is from a place where the culture is very different. And uh, when he when in this society, in a, in a Western society, he is uh, totally out of place, and that's a very difficult, challenging experience for him, especially for someone who is uh, who is not. Not very proficient in English, especially reading English. Who, who, so someone who cannot read English, we have to understand it's even not possible for them to go on Google and uh, find something. They, they need help for someone to explain that to them. And uh, then there's another person uh, who lost his wife uh, recently. And and so it's it, these trials and tribulations are there. And I think we can react angrily to them. And then the other side is I've seen these people who, who, who are so patient in the face of adversity. That is just remarkable. It's, it's just sometimes we don't even understand how, how, how they do it. And they, they are able to do it. And it is a trial. It, this is what it is. Okay. So I, I can, I can, I can grant you that, you know, we have to be patient to adversity because I completely agree with that, that, you know, um, we do have to be patient when we are dealing with adversity. But w how do we go about being patient? You know, what are the steps to being patient? Is that something that can be taught to someone? Is that something that can be developed over time? Are there Islamic injunctions on how to be patient? Islam says that... Uh remembrance of God is something that can help a person become patient over time. It's not something that's going to happen over, over overnight. Uh, so for instance, uh, there is a verse of the Quran, which says 
that uh, those people who remember Allah will find peace of mind. They will find uh, they will find peace. Alladina amanu wa tatma innu qulubuhum bi zikrillah ala bi zikrillahi tatma innul qulub. This is from chapter 13, verse 29, which says, Those who believe and whose hearts find comfort in the remembrance of Allah. I, it is in the remembrance of Allah that hearts can find comfort. So the Quran is basic, and this is a very big verse. What does remembrance of Allah mean? It, it means a whole bunch of things. Uh, it, it means uh, having a lifestyle that is always, uh, that is always, spent uh, with God in mind. So the Muslims who are pious are told to start the day with prayer. Uh, there is the voluntary prayers early in the morning. There is the prayer when you wake up. There is a prayer um, later in the day. There is a prayer in the afternoon. There's a, so there are five daily prayers. And then there are, there are other kinds of prayers when you are going on a journey or you are entering your house or you're meeting other people. Even the Islamic greeting is like a prayer, right? When we say, peace be upon you, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, it's like a prayer. We are saying that uh, we're asking God to bless you with peace, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of uh, things that a person has to do, and that overall uh, enables a person to deal with adversity. Then there's, an, as from a sociological point of view, Islam does a whole bunch of other things. For instance, Islam says that if someone is sick, you should go and visit them. If someone is uh, in, uh, in, in, in some sort of adversity, the Muslim community should help them. There, there was almost a welfare state at the time of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, where they were taking care of each other's needs. Uh, the community at, at large was taking care of each other's needs. And they were, they were you know, uh, the zakat system, which was a sort of a tax. And there are other things that they were doing so that they can help each other out. There was even that time when the, the time of immigration, when the Muslims of Mecca migrated to Medina. And then there was this, uh, there was this uh, system of muakhat, as it's called, where uh, the Muslims paired up. So a Muslim from Medina would pair up with a Muslim from Mecca and they would become brothers and help each other out in this time of adversity. Uh, and, and they did it with, they made these pairs with all the immigrants uh, so that they can help each other out. So that aspect of Islam, the social aspect is also there that helps a person deal with adversity. Uh, just uh, recently, as I mentioned, a person uh, lost a loved one um, and in, in my congregation. And uh, that's what we do. We, we, we provide them food. We, we go and visit them. And we go and visit them more over and over. We ask them if they need any help. The funeral arrangements are made with the whole community coming together and helping the family deal with this difficult time. So it's, it's a whole bunch of things, I think, if they come together. Uh, instead of going it alone and not even thinking about God, not even thinking about any relatives, not even thinking about your community, and just doing it alone, I think that kind of isolationist uh, experience is something that can make a person even more miserable. So what I'm hearing from that is there, there are two things. One is that you should be patient because, and the way to be patient is to be mindful of the remembrance in God, being mindful of, you know, a higher power that can control and, and, br and bring you out of your suffering. But you know, what I also hear in that is this, 
is this firm belief that there is a higher power that can change your current state of affairs. And that if your relationship is strong with this higher power, then you can actually be pulled out from this adversity. I think there's numerous examples in the Quran where God has pulled people out of adversity. Yeah, I'm reminded of um, Jonah and the whale. And, 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 you know, where the community asked for forgiveness and they were pulled out of this disaster um, in the Quran. So is that also what it's referring to? That is um, uh, averting future future difficulties. Uh, so, so for instance, again, the back to the zikr, as as this verse that I just recited, the zikr, the the remembrance of God, uh, helps a person get peace, and uh, that zikr would uh, include seeking forgiveness uh, from God for one's uh, sins. Uh, and when you are seeking forgiveness from God, the, that forgiveness itself can translate into mercy uh, of God, uh, which can um, uh, avert future trials and tribulations from God. God will show you mercy if uh, you are seeking forgiveness from God for your current sins. And then there's also the concept of giving sadaka, giving uh, charity, giving um, some uh, amount of money uh, for the poor. And uh, that also, out of the mercy and grace of God, averts future difficulties and problems and trials uh, for a person. So yeah, it's a whole bunch of things that come together. And you know, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of people, they say that, you know, um, if you're dealing with some sort of sadness, the best way to counter that sadness is to give something to someone. And, and, and you know, they often say that if someone is dealing with a heartbreak, for example, that if they volunteer at, at a soup kitchen, for example, or, or, or you know, they, they give to the homeless, that they will find so much comfort in that because it is a way for them to to, um, I guess it's a way for their minds or their brains to kind of compare that their situation uh, is different from other people's situation. But I think, you know, we've talked about this extensively, and I do think that the doubt that I had, at least in the beginning, has been clarified uh, just in this comfort that there is this higher power that can change my state if I am firm to his resolve. And I think that there is a yeah yeah it's 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 basically that reliance that tawakkul as as we say the trust in God and uh, and and thinking of uh, God being above all of these things and also attaching ourselves to God more than anything else that also has that uh, you can say therapeutic effect that God is the only constant eternal being who is truly worthy of love and Islam teaches that we should attach ourselves to God. And once we do that, then all these other transient things uh, do not matter as much to us. Uh, and, and, and because we are, we, are, we are connected with the truly constant eternal being um, uh, who, can, who is ultimately the, the ultimate source of all peace and love and mercy in our lives. 
And, you, you know, as we're talking, I'm reminded of all the pain and suffering that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has been through, you know, losing seven sons uh, or seven children, sorry. Um, and, and, you know, I'm reminded of the year of the grief where he lost his, his aunt, his, grand, his, his uncle, his grandfather and his wife. So, you know, if there's anyone that knows uh, suffering and trauma and misery, it is straight from the source, the Holy Prophet of Islam. Peace and blessings be upon him. Yeah, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, according to some counts, lost 11 children in in his life, uh, if you include the grandchildren as well, because not just his children, but his grandchildren also uh, died. It, it, it is as if that there are there's a certain segment in his life where every year he lost a loved one, every single year. Uh, or a friend, or a companion, or uh, or closed uh, closed relative, and uh, the year you're referring to is uh, called Amul Huzn, which is the year of uh, grief uh, when he lost his wife and his uncle both uh, in the same year. So you know, um, and I think that these are important things to remember as well. Um, and if you have any other doubts regarding these things. Um, please reach out to us at theconvictionproject at gmail.com. Once again, this is The Conviction Project, where we leave you with no doubts about Islam. Habibina Salli ala Muhammad